Welcome to Value Investor TV podcast. This is the podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Beko and my partner, Hari, in his three-piece today. Looking Fancy. nice. Guys, if you are listening on podcast, please go check out our YouTube because he is looking fancy today in his three-piece. <laughs> okay. In our couple, in previous two episodes, uh, we talked about the overview of all the ratios, financial ratio, operational ratio, as well as the, um, I forgot the third one, fi financial ratio, val valuation ratio, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So three episodes we did over value investor podcast. It val is, it is, so it is after all value investor podcast. Yes. So. <laughs> so we looked at, we looked at the overview of all three ratios. And in the, in the very previous episode, we talked about the valuation ratio in detail. In this episode, we're going to talk about operational ratio. Um, so, what is operational ratio? Operational ratio is one in is our, our ratios, our metrics by which investors analyze how efficient a company is ran, how how much, like for example, like an engine, for example. If an engine is being efficiently ran, you don't have to, you know, you're not. It's not guzzling gas. It's not muzzling gas to, you know, go, you know, go ten feet, for example. Like if it's if it's efficient, uh, every 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 uh, liter of gas will, you know, whatever. That that sort of ratio is can be can be applied to companies also, and that's what we're going to look at today. So let's start off. We have a list of operational ratios that we want to go through. Let's start off on the top of the list here with gross margin. Yep. We talked about this in our income statement, uh, but please, Ahari, uh, define what it is for us and why it's important. So gross margin is the revenue minus the cost of goods sold uh, is gross profit. So when you get the gross profit, you take gross profit divided by revenue. So what that's really telling you is, you know, for every dollar in revenue that they generate, how much, what is the cost of actually making the item, right? So that's not people, it's not, it's just the raw materials, how much does it cost? So what you would want to kind of see here is, you know, if if company sells multiple products um, and their gross margin is decreasing or increasing, right? What you're looking, kind of looking for is, well, did the cost of the materials actually decrease? Yeah. Or did the cost of the or did the mix of things that they sell change? Right. Yeah. That's for the most part. That's the only two ways that you you're going to see a lot of the gross margin uh, differ. Now, if your business is something like um, a services business, yeah. your your gross margin may actually be close to a hundred percent because you don't really have a cost of goods sold because you're not selling a good. You're you have a service, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, just because you see the number being really high doesn't necessarily mean that it you know it it, it means a lot to you like. Um, for example, like Costco has a very, very low co uh, gross margin, but that's because they are a volume retailer. They sell a lot of items. Walmart is the same way. Amazon is somewhat similar to that. Um, you know, so, you know, whereas if you're like a non-discount retailer, like let's say Macy's, you know, their gross margin may be 40 or 50%, depending on how, you know, how things are structured. Mm -hmm. So, you know, things may be different. That gross margin shouldn't say that, you know, you have to compare apples to apples in every case. Uh, and so saying, you know, Costco's gross margin and Accenture, who's a services company, 
gross margin or you know they're yeah. vastly different so Accenture is a better company is is, is not a good way of measuring things so. right it's just totally different industries yeah. so you got to focus on a specific industry if you want to compare gross margins margins to each other right okay let's move on to the operating margin we talked about this also um, yeah. as a as a way to compare different companies within an industry correct uh, tell us about that Hari. operating margin yeah so when you when you look at operating margin you start like we've already gone down to the gross profit, right? And so now we subtract out selling general and administrative expenses. Uh, we also uh, subtract out re research and development. Um, and so, and so, basically, what we've done is we've what does it cost to pay the people who work at this company mm -hmm. uh, to build, you know, this item, right? We also take out marketing expenses. So, what it's not the item itself, but it's the cost of the item, you know. Uh, you know the the peripheral things that make you know make bring the item to market right which is uh, you obviously you have to go and get um uh, you you market the item on you know with advertising and that kind of stuff you have to pay your employees and you have to have um you know executives who are running the company and so on so if you were to let's say decrease your advertising budget for one year your operating margin may go up but the long term effects of that may be that fewer people know about your product, fewer people buy your product, sure. right? And so it, there's a there's a balancing act here is that if you're spending too much money on the operating margin side of the house, right, what you're doing is, you know, decreasing obviously your profit, right? But there's a there's a flip side to it, which is you could, you could be potentially investing for the future growth, right? And so a lot of companies, especially in retail and things like that, will have heavily heavy advertising say around Christmas season and things like that. Hey, come to our store. We have our Black Friday event, you know, which is coming up here in you know in a few weeks. Um, and so that that kind of creates a lot of um, you know expense for that month. But then they they have an enormous uptick in their sales during that time. So you know what you really want to look for is over time how is that operating margin changing? Right? Is it increasing? Because if it is. Um, you know, that that may be a very good thing. Like they've cut costs. Maybe they've, you know, gotten rid of a bunch of middle management that don't really add any value to the company. Or, um, you know, they've found a, a cheaper way to, you know, to, to, you know, get things to market, right? Or better ways of advertising that don't cost as much. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe instead of doing TV ads, they're using Facebook or Internet, and that, that turns out to be cheaper for them. You know, you'll have to look and dig in to find out what that is. But I would say if your operating margin is a, is probably one of the most important margins for you to look at um, when you start evaluating companies and looking at it over time. Um, and if you can find a direct comparison, you know, uh, it may be good to look at that, you know, across multiple uh, industry, you know, across the industry. Yeah. The operating margin is very, very important. Again, I, I just want to clarify what what we're talking about in the context of bound in the context of financial statements we're talking about as you start from the top line revenue you're deducting all the expenses and operating margin gross margin like Harry talked about takes out the cost of goods sold that's yep. the gross margin right and then from there you take out sgna and r uh, and r d expenses right take those out and you arrive at operating margin yeah and that's what Harry's talking about here operating margin so to calculate that you basically take the operating margin which is ebit also it's, it's synonymous you take that, divide that by revenue. Correct. That's how you get the margin percentage. Um, very important to consider, especially like Hart talked about, when you want to compare within an industry. Also, over time, 
within a company. Yep. Uh, let's let's move further down the income statement and get to our net profit, profit margin. Tell us about that and why it's so important, Tari. So net margin is important because it that's the the amount of so if you have a hundred dollars in revenue, what goes to the bottom line, right? That's the, that's what that number tells you. So, you know, if your net margin is 2%, then for every $100 you sell, you're going to have 2%, 2%, right? And so one of the things that you do with these numbers is, you know, companies will say, you know, we're targeting so much in revenue this year, right? And if you estimate that their operating margin is going to be, say, 10% or 20%, you can estimate what their profit will be, you know, based on that. Same thing with the net margin. If you know that they have a historic net margin of five or six percent, uh, and they're pr- projecting revenue because companies will do this, you know, next quarter, next year, we're projected to earn this. You can kind of, you know, back calculate what is the margin uh, or what is the profit that they're going to generate yeah. there. And so you can also put different scenarios where they say, well, our operating margin is going to be between eight and ten percent. Well, yeah. so then using those metrics. You can calculate a high and a low, you know, kind of range for their profit. So, right. so the idea here is that using these metrics is to help you identify what you know what is the value, right? And so, for net margin, right? So we're taking operating profit now. We're subtracting interest, and we're taking out taxes, yeah. right? So last year, uh, the Trump administration passed a the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, which essentially cut the tax rate, corporate tax rate, down from uh, 38 to 21, One, 21, 21%. So, I mean, that's almost cutting it in half, right? So you could, you would imagine that a lot of these companies have a big jump in their net margin, right? And if you were to look, you know, at that, you would probably see that their operating margin didn't change, but then suddenly their net margin would have, uh, increased, right? That doesn't mean that, you know, that's obviously out of the control of the company. They can't, you know, decide to not pay as much in taxes. Um, now, what is in their control is how much debt that they have and how much, you know, because that's how they financially, you know, how they finance the company, I should say. Yeah. Um, but typically, we don't use the net margin because companies may operate in different tax jurisdictions and they may have different financial uh, structures. So uh, depending on how much debt they have and how much equity they have, you don't want to use that necessarily. So the best thing to do in that case is actually to stay with the operating margin because the operating margin is a better um you know measure because it doesn't take into account their tax jurisdiction and right. so on yeah so uh just to recap those three metrics because I, I think those three uh kind of bundle together um gross margin starting from the top take out revenue uh, from revenue take out uh, cause of goods sold that's where we arrived at gross margin operating margin you take out sgna and uh, and um, R&D expenses, and then from there you also take out tax and interest, which, which, uh, which puts you at net margin. But like Ari yep. said, depending on jurisdiction, depending on your capital mix, the capital mix of the corporation that you're analyzing, a net margin might change over time, or might change depending on the jurisdiction. Yep. So important to keep that in mind when you are calculating the three ratios. Okay. So those are the three. Um, Margins and profits, profit margins that we wanted to look at that kind of bundled together. Now let's move on to the other list that we have prepared for you guys. Uh, let's let's move on to operating ratio. Let's start with that. Uh, tell us why it is important. Well, tell tell us what it is and why it's important for us. Sorry. So it's the operating expenses 
uh, divided by net sales. So it, it, it's essentially telling you how much, what percent of their sales are, um, you know, are spent away as expenses, right? As operating expenses. So not cost of goods sold, but uh, selling general and administrative. So marketing expenses, people's salaries, uh, the executive pay, and uh, research and development. How much of those expenses are as a percentage of sales, right? So this is just is essentially the like using the um, you know the operating margin, but the the difference yeah. here is that you're not the operating margin also includes uh, you've subtracted out the gross um, you know the cost of goods sold. So this kind of lets you narrow in on if you're comparing two companies, what percentage of their sales are being spent on uh, operational yeah. on the operational side. So it, it, all else being equal, right? The company that is able to spend less on their operating expenses because, you know, for example, let's say that your company's headquartered in San Francisco, right? And, you know, you're paying your sal employees, you know, almost twice as much as if you were paying them in, say, Texas. Um, you know, that that's something that you can identify quickly with, you know, the uh, operating expenses if you have two com companies to compare against, right? Yeah. Now, that's, you know, Maybe there's a good reason that they're in, you know, in a geographic location sure. and, and so on. So, um, and, you know, maybe they have different, uh, you know, different kind of thought processes as to why, you know, you know, maybe one has a much higher advertising budget uh, and, you know, one, one has a higher research and development budget, you know. So these are all things that you have to kind of be careful about where you apply these metrics, right? Yeah. So it, just like within, you know, if you're familiar with statistics and other things, you can do plug in any numbers into any formula and get a number. That doesn't mean it's correct or meaningful, right? And so knowing where to apply these is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so operating ratio, again, kind of, it's almost like a negation of operating margin. Yeah. Right, operating ratio. So all the, the, the three ratios we talked about above, gross margin, operating margin, net profit margin, those you want it to be high. Yep. You want those ratios to be high for you if you want to if you want to find a good company, right? Operating ratio is actually the other way around. Because you're not taking what is left on the numerator, instead what you're doing is you're taking the expenses on the numerator and dividing that by revenue. You want that to be as small as possible. Yeah, no. All I, else being equal. No, what what yeah. I, I mean one thing I'll say about this is none of these things tell you how profitable a company actually is mm -hmm. right and that's something that's different right and so we'll we will um we will, we'll talk about that here in just a minute uh when we talk about profitability ratios mm -hmm. right because that is a <clears throat> like i said costco has a very low net profit margin right it's like one or two percent but they have a very high profitability ratio relative to the amount of money they have to invest, you know, to generate income. Yeah. Right? Well, I, th I think that's a good segue. Let's, mo let's yeah. actually move on to the profitability ratio you, we have prepared for you guys. Right. Okay. Well, one of the first things, one of the one of the first, actually the first that we want to look at, I think it's, you, you might argue that it's, it is most widely used of the profitability ratios, is return on equity. Yep. Return on equity. Also, ROE, sometimes people... Uh, truncated to ROE. Tell us what it is, Hari, and why it is, why it is so important. Yeah, so, I, I, you know, I, I think this is probably the most important ratio that you're going to, we're going to talk about today, and probably the most important ratio in all of investing for, for a lot of different reasons, right? But, um, 
this is one of Charlie Munger's, you know, who's Warren Buffett's uh, sidekick uh, at Berkshire Hathaway. <laughs> sidekick. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. They are, uh, you know, they use this heavily as a, as a measuring stick for evaluating a company. So, so what is it? So net income. So we've, you know, we've taken the net income and we go to the balance sheet and we look for the shareholders equity line, right? So remember assets minus liability equals equity, right? And what are we actually measuring when we do this? One of the things that we're saying when we do this is when you take the company's net income and you divide it by the equity, you're essentially saying, if I invested another $100 into this business in, in terms of uh, equity, what is the rate of return that I would get if I did that $100? So if you have a company that returns a 5% rate of return, right, you are almost better off investing in the S&P 500, which can give you a 7% return. Now, if I find a company that gets me a 15% return on equity, I'm better off putting my money back into the company itself, right? Buying more equity so that I can grow my business into 15, you know, get a 15% return. Now, not all return on equities are equal for some, you know, for some cases, businesses have maxed out what they can invest in, right? They can't grow their business anymore because there is no more blue sky for them to grow into, right? Think about a company like Macy's, right? So Macy's has been around for 150 years um, and they have a, I mean, basically any town that it could, you know, afford to have a Macy's, you know, that they could, you know, be viable in already has one, right? There is no more new places for them to really put their money into. So regardless of where, what their return on equity is, it's all legacy at that point, right? Whatever they've already invested, what is their rate of return, right? But the, the reason this thing is so important is if you're buying a small growing company and they have a very low return on equity, that, that likely means that your long-term rate of return on your stock, like the profits that you will get out of buying that stock, will roughly equal the return on equity of that company. Right. So I can't emphasize that enough because I'm so I'm going to say it again. The long term profits that you will gain in terms of share price over a long period of time will roughly mirror what you get in terms of the return on equity for that business. OK, so when people say, well, I don't know how, you know, if this company is going to continue to grow and all that stuff, if their return on equity is if they're in a business where they have the ability to grow then they are going to grow roughly at the return on equity yeah. uh, uh, valuation right. or, or the number, okay? Yeah. So so we talked a lot about, you know, I, I gave you all of the, the why, right, um, you know, for that. Um, and I think this is probably one of those things that we probably have to expound on in a later episode because it's such an important concept. Yeah. Uh, I, I just want to mention one, one thing there, uh, I think what you said at the end, your return on your stock purchase, your stock, your return over over time is going to equal the ROE number. Yeah, and I think a, ca a case in point, for example, we were analyzing a bank uh, that the bank that we owned, um, but we were also analyzing another bank that was kind of on a similar size, but their return on equity was quite quite low. Actually, it was right. it was like three percent or four percent or something like that. And you can see over time, they started around the, roughly the same time. Yep. And if you look at the stock price now, the the 
compounding annual growth rate is about the same, like right. about about that. Yeah. And so, again, kind of to Hari's point, ROE, one of the most important metrics that you have to understand. Again, what it is, it's a it's a net income divided by shareholders' equity that you find in balance sheet. Yep. Very very important. Okay. You want to move on to the next one? Return on assets. Yeah. So this one is kind of a, you know, I, I don't use this very much. And, you know, so return on assets is basically net income over the total assets the company has. Right. And so the reason I don't use it is it, it doesn't, obviously it doesn't take into account, you know, the equity component of this. Right. So equity is always less than the assets. Right. And so when you see this number, return on assets is almost always lower than mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's always lower, always. but could right. be equal to the the yeah. equity number, right? right? And so, what why, why this number is kind of there is it, it it is still a profitability metric, right? But companies don't, you know, if I buy an, a new piece of equipment, right? As we talked about in the financing, you know, section, you know, when we looked at the income statement, cash flow statements. If I have cash and I convert it into a piece of machinery, right? Because I buy it, buy something. My assets don't change, right? And so um, my equity doesn't change either, right, in that in that environment. But if I buy it, finance it with debt, my equity actually could increase, right? Because, you know, depending on how the, how the financing works. Um, and so what it doesn't tell you really is, you know, how, what is the financial structure of, or, or purchase of that, uh, of that item? And so I, it's best to always consider this in in that in that context and looking at you know looking at return on equity you know the the flip side to that is if you have too much debt then you can actually artificially make your return on equity look high right so the company yeah. has a hundred dollars in assets and then they just and you know and twenty dollars in liabilities they have eighty dollars in equity and then they flip the you know they just get a bunch of debt and then the return on equity increases yeah. that's that's not a you know that's not what you're looking for right? right so what you have to figure out when you do this is and we'll actually talk about this using the debt plus the equity uh in another metric but what i would say is return on assets is probably you know it's a there's a lot of financial companies that you know people use that that metric um uh, sometimes in heavy machinery companies but for the most part I don't, I don't really pay attention to it return on equity i think is more valuable mm-hmm yeah, return on asset again. I just want to reiterate this fact: asset, asset. Uh, you you find it in balance sheet. Yeah. Uh, and return on asset, return on the top numerator in this case is is net income. And again, asset doesn't take into account the liability. It only it, it takes into account the entirety of assets. Yeah. And so you can, like Ari said at the at the last bit there, that you can fudge the numbers here uh, by just just by loading up with debt and so the ROE looks artificially high relative to return on assets. Okay, um, let's move on to the next uh, next ratio. Return on capital employed. Oh, this is this is this is kind of a variation. Again, all these ratios that we're gonna talk about here, return on equity, return on asset, return on capital employed, return on uh, uh, invested capital, all all these is a slight derivative of basic formula of you have some some measurement of profit uh, some measurement of profitability at the top divided by some measurement of 
asset or or equity in the company. Yeah. So it's all always that derivative of you know, all these all these ratios are just derivative of that basic formula. And so return on a capital employed is exactly the same. And so define for us what it is first and why it's useful. So your top line is actually not net income in this case. It's actually EBIT or operating income. And then you divide it by what's called capital employed, which is um, equity plus debt. Um, And sometimes you will also see that they will back out what they call excess cash. So excess cash could be... um, you know, if a company has, so I I don't like this because there's, you know, there's some gray area here, right, as to what is excess cash, right? So if a company has a lot of cash on their balance sheet, they may not be employing it. So they put it into like, you know, uh, uh, short-term investments and stuff like that. And those give you like a 2% return. Obviously, I don't want to consider that in my cash or in my return on equity, because that doesn't tell me what's the actual operating bit business right yeah. so the idea here is to say what are the what are the assets that are being used and what is the debt that was being used to actually do something mm. right and so what you're trying to look for is obviously the higher the number the better but you have to kind of adjust for you know some companies have a very large cash balance sheet because they generate a ton of cash and then they have nowhere to nowhere to park it and so they're just waiting to you know buy another company or do a share buyback or something or it's or it's in a foreign bank account and they can't you know easily repatriate it without paying a lot of taxes. So they just kind of sit on that money, and so you subtract that number out from the assets and and liabilities that you you know so you equity plus debt minus some of the extra cash. Yeah. So some people what they'll do is they'll do it with no cash subtracted, and some will do it with all cash subtracted, and then they'll just kind of see what those numbers look like. Mm-hmm. So typically, what I say is you know, and some people will also say well. You know, they need 5% of their cash as working cap, uh, you know, everything above working 5% of, uh, you know, working capital is, or I'm sorry, everything above working capital is excess cash, right? And so there, there's different ways of doing this. I don't really, you know, you can, you know, kind of pick one that you feel comfortable with or in the better thing to do is use all of them and then look at kind of what those trends are over time, you know, mm-hmm. to measure it. Yeah. Excuse me. So return on capital employed. Again, capital employed, I think, kind of says a lot about this metric. Capital employed, if you think about that word, it is capital that is employed, it is deployed in the business to make the business run. Yeah. And so debt and equity, and you subtract excess cash. And there is, it makes sense that in some cases you need to subtract excess cash because it's not being used. Right. Capital employed means that the capital is actually being used to run the company. If it's excess cash, it yeah. is not being used. So in some cases, it might make sense to take it out, and that's why some people do it. So return on capital employed, that was it. Uh, abbreviation for that is ROCE. Uh, yeah. You'll see that sometimes in financial reports. Let's move on to our next um, profitability ratio, return on capital uh, – return on um, – uh, invested capital, ROIC. Define for us what it is, Hari. So return on invested capital is, um, it's so you're taking the same thing, you're taking operating income, but taking out the tax that a company will pay. So you're still using the, um, uh, the interest payments are, are excluded, is, is essentially. So what you're trying to do here is, 
compare like companies with uh, excluding their financial structure, right? So when you do return on equity, you're, the debt is, is subtracted out. So companies with higher debt could have a higher return on equity, right? So it kind of fakes you out. So with a um, return on invested capital, what you're doing is you're actually doing the assets plus the liabilities with the operating income minus the tax rate, right? So you take out the taxes, but you're still left with, um, so you're, you're, you're essentially left with a, what, you know, let's exclude the leverage that the company can employ and see how much, you know, what is their return on any money that they have that they've already used and what other, what debt do they also have? So it's, it's very similar to return on capital employed. Um, you know, they're, you're just using a slightly different kind of setups, mm-hmm. right? But in, in both cases, you're trying to eliminate the idea of return on equity where you can load up with debt and make your equity return on equity look higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, re- return on uh, return on invested capital. Again, I, I just want to emphasize this this point that you, you might find these ratios kind of daunting at, at first. You know, we, we talked about return on equity, return on capital employee, all, all these ratios. But again, I want you to have this in mind. This is all same thing. It's all okay. How much did the company make in some form of, you know, some form of, of return? Be it net income or be it EBIT or be it whatever it may be, divided by some measurement of how much the, how much does a company own or how, what is the capital base of that company? And so that could be equity, that could be asset, that could be some form of that. Yep. Uh, so it's all derivative of that, and you know, honestly, I personally sometimes make up my own thing, just kind of mix and match kind of thing, just to see what the ratio shakes out. So if you just remember that overall formula, you can you can do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, what I would say is, if the return on equity and the return on capital employed or return on invested capital are vastly different, then you know you should probably be sticking with the return on capital employed or return on invested capital because that'll take into account the heavy debt loan. But if return on equity and the the other two are the same or roughly the same, then it doesn't really matter, right? Mm-hmm. So just think these are just metrics to tell you how much, you know, how good is this business at taking money, deploying it into back into its own business, into its operating business and to make more money, mm-hmm. right? Cuz what you don't want is a company to just keep throwing money and not really actually getting a good return at it, right? right? And there's tons of companies that do this, Mm -hmm. right? So there are tons of companies that have return on equity of less than 10%, right? And and the result is, you know, you're just wasting your money with them. Yeah, it's opportunity cost. Right. Right, opportunity cost. You could have deployed that money into something more profitable, and that's what we're doing as investors. Right. Okay, so those are the profitability ratios and before we mentioned profitability show, we talked about the margins, gross margin, operating margin, and income, uh, profit margin. Okay, that is it. Do you have anything else to mention in this episode, Hari? Nope. Okay, again, just to reiterate, this is very, very important, and we will revisit this when we, uh, when we are actually analyzing companies in future episodes. This will come up again and again. So if you don't understand this fully, it's okay. We will go through this again. Okay, that is it for episode 23, and thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you on episode 24. uh, 24. Thank you. Thanks.